I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast. As always, I am your co-host, Zach Follador, steering this ship along with uh, my partner in crime, Sam Philman, live from Indiana. Sam, how you doing today, man? Uh, good. The, the March Madness just got done in Indy, so we're feeling ourselves as a state, proving why we're one of the best host cities <laughs> in America just putting it out there every tournament we host or every sporting event we host it's always a banger and look what happened this year yeah man you know what it's i was actually thinking about this the other day i feel like indianapolis has like carved out they're like they have they've like uniquely positioned themselves as a city like usually the cities that host like final fours and super bowls and things like that you think about like huge markets you know miami los angeles new york but like Indianapolis does it and they kill it as well. I was there, uh, what, four years ago for the Big Ten championship game whenever Penn State was there against Wisconsin. The way the city, with the way it's set up, everything's walkable, it's flat, everything's open. I, it's great. I love it. And honestly, one of these years, whenever the Big Ten tournament is in Indianapolis and there's fans allowed, I'm going to be there because I think it's an awesome place to, for, like you said, you guys, the, 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 the way you host events is great. Yeah, I mean, um, every 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 event we host, it's always a banger. I went to the Big Ten tournament. There wasn't as many fans, obviously, due to COVID. Still a really fun time. The atmosphere was still great. Um, the It was weird how they had the stadium in only a third of the stadium, which made yeah. it just seem a lot like um, uh, smaller than it actually was. But, yeah, um, one heck of a tournament. Shout out to Baylor for getting it done against Gonzaga. I, I didn't think they they would. They got it done. They proved me wrong. And um, but Zach, uh, we got some. We got uh, quite a decent amount of uh, spring sports still to talk about. Yeah, we do, and 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 some news as well, Sam. Let's let's start off with some news. I mean, even as as hoops winds down and the season finishes up, um, still a lot to talk about here. Let's start off here. Let's start the show though, Sam, with um, some news out of uh, Mount Pleasant and a, a little bit of a surprising decision. I guess the timing of it was surprising for me. Uh, from Central Michigan. Oh uh, yeah, if you haven't heard, if you're a Chippewa fan or just a MAC fan, Central Michigan did part ways with their men's uh, basketball coach in Keno Davis after nine season. And one interesting thought that just popped in my mind, Zach, is did Mi- Central Michigan did the Eastern Michigan thing happen, and then they kind of saw what they did, were like, hey, this is the time to do it. Let's go in a different direction. We obviously clearly didn't have the best year last year or last year. This is obviously a rebuilding program right now in men's basketball. We get a fresh, fresh blood in there. Keno Davis has had nine seasons turn around. He didn't do the best last year and it's, it's time for some uh, fresh blood in there. Um, Hey, I just got, I got to give a a shout out to hustle belt real quick, because as I was researching Keno Davis, if you look up Keno Davis on Google, it lists his salary as $300,000 a year. And then it cites hustle belt as the source for where they found that. So I I thought that was pretty cool. But anyway, to your point, Sam, I hadn't uh, thought about Eastern Michigan's decision affecting central Michigan's decision. That could, that could be it because to me, as I referenced uh, earlier in, in the introduction, the, the timing of this was, was a little bit odd to me. You know, they, they finally, they, they, they pulled the trigger and made this decision on April 7th, a, a month after they played their last game. Uh, you know, they, they just lost a month of potential recruiting. They lost a month of potential preparation for, for the next season by waiting so long to, to, to fire their coach. You know, a lot of schools that have made that decision to fire their coach, you know, they, they finish their conference tournament, they play their last game of the year, and usually they make that announcement like two days, three days later. 
it is curious to me that they waited a month, but you're right. Maybe Eastern Michigan's decision had something to do with it. I think though, there was a general sentiment. It seemed like among central Michigan fans that, you know, under Keno Davis, you know, th- there were some good years. They had the Marcus Keene year, but I think there was just a sense that it wasn't working here these last couple of seasons. Yeah. To your point, he did have early success, two division championships, one, um, one tournament game appearance, losing to Buffalo in 2015. He did have early success, but like you have with every head coach is you have to sustain that. You can't just rely on what happened four five, six, seven years ago. In his case, seven, eight years ago, you have to keep building on, you have to keep improving. And you mentioned the Marcus Keene year. What did they really do after that year? Not a whole lot. Really. Yeah. They had a appearance in the CBI in 2019, two appearances in the CIT in 2016 and 2018, but that's not what you want. I'm sorry, but the CBI and the CIT, I'm sorry to tell you, isn't very impressive. When, when, you're, when you're showing recruits your uh, NCAA tournament appearances, you mentioned those things last, if at all. Yeah. Like like football, football teams, you're going to be glad if you get a, a bowl victory, but there's no sort of in, invitational tournament that you have. And it's to me, to me, he just didn't get it done these past few years. The writing was on the wall. I think these past couple of years, it was time. Like you said, weird timing. I think they should have done it sooner after the season, but it's happened now. Hopefully, hopefully with the interim guy, if they decide to stick with him or if, if they can go out, I've heard um, rumblings of different head coaches, but whatever they do, hopefully they can build this program uh, from the bottom up again. Yeah, certainly. And I think, you know, Central Michigan and Eastern Michigan, both in kind of the same boat right now. And actually, I would I would say any coach or any university, excuse me, that chose to make a head coaching change this offseason, with the exception of the Blue Bloods, like, you know, North Carolina, who just, you know, promoted Hubert Davis and, and some other exceptions, Arizona, who just fired Sean Miller today, I would put in this boat. But most of these programs, um, you know, they're, they're, they're a little bit strapped for cash right now. You know what I mean? COVID the last year, you haven't been able to have fans in the stands. Money is, has been lost. A lot of these programs are not in a great financial position to go out and make a big splash higher right now, unless they have a huge donor base that will throw money at them, which, you know, Indiana and Arizona and some of these other schools do obviously max schools aren't in that position. So I think this year more so than other years, you're going to see finances really, really kind of play a part in who these programs are able to hire. Yeah, and you mentioned the finances. In case you're curious, I believe I saw on Twitter's bio was 400K. And apparently people were saying it was due to a donor paying it off. So shout out to that donor, whoever decided yeah, to write yeah. off that bill for 400,000. Shout out to the IU donor who paid off Archie Miller for 10 million. It's, it's just crazy. I Like we were talking off air, if you're going to make them, if you're going to, uh, the, the saying goes like you make your bed, you have to lay in it sort of thing. Yeah. And these universities aren't being held accountable for making stupid decisions. And that, that's, just, that's just crap to me. If So, uh, Zach, back, back when you were in college, if you got an F, you couldn't write that off on your friend, could you? No, right. it was yeah, your F. Right. You earned that F. You yep. got to stick with it. And uh, it, it should, I just think it's a little bit sus that you could just get an odor to pay off your coach and, and just move on just like that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Sam. I agree with that point completely. And I think the other part of that equation is just we, we got to talk about how, you know, these college coaching contracts and buyouts, like they've gotten a little bit absurd. You know what I mean? I mean, Archie Miller, he's getting paid $10 million not to work now because that was the contract and the buyout clause that indiana gave him like you said sam they made that bed now they got to lay in it of course yes you had as you mentioned they have some some donors with some some deep pockets but man i i don't know how some of these schools are going to be able to continue to sustain these buyouts where you're going to be you know you you paying that 10 million dollars for a coach to walk away it's in it's insane to me i'd love for someone to pay me 10 million dollars not to work but it's not going to happen like you know what i mean it, it's 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 so it's so unique to college and professional sports that it it blows my mind every time it happens 
Yeah, basketball and college football coaches on the the extreme high. How you can pay, you can sign someone to a seven year contract, get yeah. out of it four, and pay someone still five mil, ten mil. I will never know because most of the cases these coaches are making more than the university presidents. Yeah, the the the, the person that's supposed to hold the most responsibility get paid the most he's not the highest paid employee it's usually the college football basketball coach and really look to see what your coach is doing and whether he deserves that contract because more than likely not unless you're you've established a program he he doesn't deserve it let's let's be honest yeah no i'm with you i agree with you there man so yeah we'll uh, we'll be keeping our eyes on both of these coaching searches here uh, with, you know, Eastern Michigan and Central Michigan. Um, obviously, you know, Northern Illinois was the other university, uh, Mac school that, that, you know, made a coaching change this off season. Uh, they, they filled their vacancy a couple weeks ago. So these are the only two vacancies we're still keeping our eyes on. We'll, uh, we'll see what, what uh, the Chippewas and the Eagles decide to do uh, moving forward here. Um, sticking with hoops real quick here. We, we got some, uh, some transfer news, and unfortunately for your Cardinals, Sam, uh, neither of these announcements are very good. Yeah, uh, Jerron Coleman and Ishmael Amin, who we probably talked about two, three episodes ago, putting their names in the transfer portal. Unfortunately, they both have left. I think I think Ish is way more surprising than Jerron Coleman. But when you can go to a team like Missouri – I can't, I can't honestly, I can't be mad at either of these players for, for transferring. Um, in, uh, I didn't mention Ishmael Almin transferred to uh, uh, Rhode Island, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And you then, uh, then Jerron Coleman transferred to the SEC school that is Missouri. But yeah, um, big transfers, a lot to talk about. Definitely a big blow to the Ball State program, but I, I can't hate either of these players for um, transferring out. Yeah. I think. I was I was surprised by the destination for Ish. I wasn't surprised in his decision to go and want to play his last year somewhere else. I think a lot of you know seniors with an extra year of eligibility are taking um, are taking advantage of that. I was you know again I feel like you know Ball State to Rhode Island. To me, it feels like kind of a lateral move. I mean, maybe it's a slight step up. Maybe the Atlantic Ten is. I mean, I'm not. I guess. The Atlantic 10 is probably a little bit better than the Mac top to bottom as a league, but program the program. I don't feel like Rhode Island is significantly better than ball state. I could be wrong about that. Now with Jerron Coleman, I'm not surprised with his destination that he transferred to a power five program. I was surprised though, by his decision to enter to the transfer port transfer portal in the first place. I mean, he was going to be the guy for the Cardinals next year. And, um, you know, I guess I, I can't I can't fault him for wanting to test his, you know, his talents and bring his talents to a power five conference. But regardless, I you know, you, you hate to see either of these guys leave the conference because they, they've both been so good. Yeah, I'll start with uh, Jerron Coleman. I, I, I loved him. He was an Indianapolis guy, went to a local high school in Cathedral High School, known for doing a decent amount of um, uh, what would you call it? Um, a little bit of a um, athletics powerhouse in Indianapolis sort of thing. Not as high as you would see like Lawrence um, North, the Lawrence Centrals, but still a pretty good powerhouse. He was a beast. I, I think I mentioned on this uh, podcast, if not, I mentioned it off air. Like my, I, I think he could have been first team all Mac, if not potential to be Mac player of the year with everybody leaving. We, we know Justin Turner's leaving Mike Nuga potentially. We know, um, Ish, of course, now is Danny Pippen's gone. Danny Pippen, Lori Christian Jackson, uh, Marion Jackson. He yeah. had the potential to be not only the guy at Ball State, but one of the faces of the Mac moving forward. He was only a sophomore. Last year, I saw glimpses of what he had. He could have been a 20-point per game score. And I'm glad a team like Missouri realized his talent, found a a Mac player like Jerron Coleman, entered the transfer world, saw the talent that he had. Because I, I, I think Ball State at times didn't feature him like they should. They still had Ish at the time, which was hurting you. KJ was in his fifth year. You didn't yeah. really – you couldn't really put the ball into uh, Jerron Coleman's as much as you want. He was obviously the main point guard, but the offense went through Ish, went through KJ, went through all their other plays, and that kind of hurt you at times. So 
I'm glad um, Missouri found a talent like him because they're going to get a stud. Missouri was in the NCAA tournament last year. I hope he shines well. Maybe he gets a shot um, at the NBA if he can do well. On the other side, Ish, I think the writing was on the wall. Last year he put in the transfer portal. I just don't think Ball State this year was where he wanted to be. I, yeah. I think I think he was hoping to get a Division One offer last year. I don't think he, if he did get it and maybe turned it down to return to Ball State because he didn't like it, I think he kind of settled – I could be wrong on this. I think he kind of settled for Rhode Island because he's from Minnesota. I think mm-hmm. his brother still plays high school there. He's, I think he's another um, amazing athlete. I think if he would have gotten the call from, since it's not um, Rick Patino's brother any, or uh, son, son anymore. Yeah. I, I'm not sure who's the interim. Whoever the case is to come play for them, I'm sure he would have said yes. I think he just kind of settled on the first – team that offered him and I, I I respect him for you he's an amazing athlete amazing career at Bowl State but it, it I think it was time for him to go because I I don't think you he, he he as great of a player what he was I don't think he envisioned himself staying four years like he did last year uh ish did yeah yeah that that's an interesting point I, I forgot that he had entered the portal last year and and then ultimately decided to come back to Ball State so that I, I feel like now that you put that into context, you're, I think you might be right. That, that does make this decision make a little bit more sense. And, and maybe that is what it was as a, as a Cardinals fan. I got to ask you now that this has happened, you lost John Coleman, you lost ish. What, what do you, what's the outlook for next year? I mean, I, I feel like that's a lot of your offense is gone. You know, Walton graduated. I, who, where are the points coming from next year? It's, yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's probably not going to be um, pretty at all. Like, I, I, it, I, I think similar to the Central Michigan thing, I, I, I think it's just got to be a rebuilding year. We, we have a nice um, forward slash center coming in, Peyton Sparks, next year. We obviously have Bumbleo still. We, we, we have some nice young guys, and that's who we're going to go through. Blake Huggins needs to develop more. He, he's a big body, but that's all he is right now. We need to find a wing score that's going to do work, and I think that's where Zach Gunn can come in. He's been a little bit injury-ridden through the years. I, I, I believe we still have Myron Thomas still there. He's, a, he's I would say, an above-average dunker. He can hit the outside shot. I believe at one point he was, he was I believe, either t- top five, top ten in the NCAA in three-point percentage at one time. It's just going to be – I don't think it's going to look pretty, but it's going to be a mesh of the semi-veteran guys with the new guys coming in in um, Payne Sparks. And I believe they have um, one more that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't think he's committed. So it's just it's just the two. Okay. Mishir Jihad from North Farmington High School and then Payne Sparks. Uh, I forget the high school, but he's from like Chicago, Illinois. Okay. Certainly a good uh... – Certainly a good uh, hotbed for, for high school talent there being in Chicago. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, it's, it certainly seems like it's going to be a, a rebuilding year for, for the Cardinals next year. You hate to see both of those guys go if you're a Mac fan because um, they, they were so good for, for uh, the last couple of years. But we nonetheless, as you said, Sam, Jerron and Ish, we, we wish them both the best. Um, the, the other two, I guess, very notable, notable transfers uh, out of the Mac right now, uh, you got Mike Nuga from Kent State who – no announcements from him just yet. He, he hasn't made a decision or, or, you know, listed a timeline or anything like that. Marion Jackson, the, uh, the Toledo point guard, he has not made a final decision yet, but he has said that he's going to make his final uh, announcement on this Friday, the ninth. Uh, and he did announce his top four. Uh, he's going to be going between Arkansas, Arizona state, Georgetown, and Miami, Florida. I feel like every transfer in the country ends up going to Arkansas or like considering Arkansas, Arizona state with Bobby Hurley, uh, Georgetown, Patrick Ewing, and then Miami. Uh, They had a bit of a tough year this year, but they've been a solid program here over the last decade or so. You know, he came out initially and said he wanted to to play against power five competition. So obviously all four of these teams check that box. Be interesting to see where he ends up, Sam. Yeah, I agree. Uh, You mentioned Arkansas. I mean, when you look at what Justin Smith did, 
transferring from IU to Arkansas. I mean, who yeah. can blame him? Georgetown's an interesting program. They just made the NCAA tournament under Patrick Ewing after that amazing Big East tournament run. The, the Miami, Florida is interesting for the simple fact that they haven't really been relevant since Shane Larkin was there when yeah. they made the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago. And then Arizona State with Bobby Hurley. Bobby Hurley's a legend. He's a, He will forever be a legend in my book. Um, just, just a great coach. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting big things on, uh, for Arizona state, but anyway, yeah. Uh, interesting top four, any, any program that gets me on Jackson is going to be, is going to have one heck of an athlete. Yeah, they are. And, you know, I think when I look at that list of teams there, I think Arkansas really jumps out to me. Not, not so much because of, of the fact that so many team, you know, kids seem to transfer in there, but more so just because of the way that they play. They're so up-tempo. They, they seem to play very similar to how Toledo plays. And so I feel like he would be a really good fit in that system. We'll see how uh, – we will see how he, uh, he acquits himself and, and what he ends up uh, picking here uh, on Friday. Sam, we got our first uh, Max spring football game coming up here on, on Saturday, which is crazy to think about. But, hey, you know, spring football is here. It means the season's not too far away. Yeah, pro day season is already here. We've seen a couple pro days already. I think Ball States is on Friday, if I'm not, not mm-hmm. wrong on that. But, yeah, yeah, you mentioned spring game. We got our first one Saturday, April 10th, NIU. And if you don't know why that's significant, it's our first chance to see their new transfer quarterback – a former four-star coming out of high school in Rocky Lombardi transfer from Michigan State. So we'll see if he's going to be the starter. We'll see if they decide to move in a different direction. Uh, I'm excited to see him because we don't get a whole lot of four-star or former four-star recruits in the MAC. So whenever we get a chance, uh, it's going to be um, must-watch TV. Yeah, I'm with you there. And honestly, as much as I am really excited to, to see Rocky Lombardi, I'm also really excited to see what the team looks like in general. We talked a lot about last year about how young this team was. I mean, they had 60 plus freshmen on their roster. Everyone knew it was going to be a rough year for coach hammock and the Huskies last year. They, you know, by the end of the season, they had greatly improved. Obviously they, you know, they, they weren't able to get in the win column, but they had greatly improved by the end of the year. I mean, they got, um, you know, your leading rusher last year, Harrison Way Lee, was a freshman. Your, your second leaving receiver, Trayvon Rudolph, was a freshman. Your two, top two leading tacklers on defense, Devin Lafayette, he was a freshman. Jordan Gandy was a uh, sophomore. I mean, there's a lot of really young talent on this team still. And I'm, I'm interested to see how they look on Saturday because I, I do feel like the Huskies could take a big step forward this fall. I, I do too. You mentioned all the experience in another year always helps the free eligibility year that yeah. 2020 was it helped Northern Illinois because they knew they would have a lot of freshmen coming in. It was kind of a six. I would say to them, I think they saw it as kind of a six like spring games, six practice yes. games, if you want to call it to see kind of where their freshmen stand among each other. And then they can move the program in that direction with Rocky Lombardi potentially being the day one starter. That kind of switches things up. But for the most part, you got to see the majority of the roster that's coming back that hadn't transferred out. You get to see who's your studs, who's your duds, and you just get to move from there. Yeah, no, you're. I agree with that completely. The other thing I'm I'm curious to see is that you know you mentioned obviously. Rocky Lombardi. I think a lot of people are assuming he's going to be the starter and that's, you know, that's with good reason, but you know, you got two other quarterbacks that, you know, were on the roster last year. Obviously Ross Bowers was the fifth year senior that, that took most of the, uh, the, the snaps, but you know, Rodney Thompson was a, was a junior uh, last year out of San Diego. He's, he's still a potential option. He only threw two passes last year. And then um, Andrew Hadette, who was a, uh, was a senior. I'm not sure. I'll have to look up and see if he is returning. I do feel like Rocky Lombardi is going to eventually win the job, but you never know. We'll, we'll see what happens there. So uh, yeah, spring football is here. NIU kicking us off on, uh, on Saturday. I know next Friday, the 16th is Eastern Michigan's game. Um, then we'll, you know, we got a couple more coming up here over the next couple of weeks as well. So certainly something that we will be monitoring here over the next few weeks. Uh, Sam, any other, um, any other news stories, anything else you wanted to touch on before we move into the, uh, the spring sports uh, updates? 
Uh, not really, just a little bit more on um, NIU real fast. It, it would oh, be sure. kind of hard to me if you're Coach Hammock to to sell a fan base on using Ross Bowers for another year. No offense to Ross Bowers, but yeah. when you have this kind of new kind of toy, I'm going to say Rocky Lombardi is a shiny new a former four-star came from a power five school in Michigan State. How can you not, unless he's like Tate Martell, which I completely understand, then you just throw him away <laughs> at that point. But the point remains is it's going to be hard to sell a fan base on Ross Bowers getting a 12-game schedule when you have Rocky Lombardi, who's who was recruited at the power five level. I, I, I would, if I was Coach Hammock, I personally would like the direction of Rocky Lombardi. But if he's not comfortable with the system, then the clear choice is the safe choice is Ross Bowers. I'm not, yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm not disagreeing with that at all. So we'll, we'll see what, uh, what ends up happening there. And actually, I know Ross Bowers was a senior last year. I don't know if he's going to be returning. That's something else I'll have to, to check up okay. on. But regardless, I think we're both in agreement. Mm-hmm. Rocky Lombardi probably is going to be the one. Um, that ends up winning that job. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Um, let, let's move into uh, let's move into some spring sports updates here. And uh, and Sam, actually, uh, we had our first spring uh, our Mac spring champion crowned this past weekend. Yeah, if you didn't know the um, as we talked about last episode, the Mac volley- women's volleyball championship started like we uh, learned last um, episode that there is not that the Mac does not sponsor a men's volleyball is called something different anyway the women's volleyball tournament started off and to no surprise I don't think Bowling Green got it done it was only four teams invited um and Bowling Green came out on top they yeah 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 three one uh win over Western Michigan I really feel you know we we talked last week um Sam about how you know Western Michigan and Bowling Green really were the top two teams head and shoulders above everyone else in, in the tournament or in the, in the, um, in the, uh, in, in the conference this year, I don't think anyone is, is too super surprised uh, by Bowling Green, you know, Petro and Drova, Caitlin Mayer, Jacqueline Askin, uh, all three played great all weekend, 15, 15 plus kills for all three of them in, in the, in the championship match. Um, it was a kind of a, a team effort for the, for Bowling Green. And then now because of that, um, they're going to be in the, the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2012, which was the last time they won the Mac. Uh, they're going to take on the, uh, the, the Weber state wildcats out of, of the big sky to, uh, to earn the opportunity to take on the number one seed in the entire tournament, who is the, uh, the Wisconsin Badgers, Sam, we were looking at this bracket before we, uh, before we started recording here today kind of interesting how they have this set up for women's volleyball where it's like the top 16 teams get a bye, And then it's like, essentially there's 16 playing games for the right to make that round. Yeah. It's it, like in my head, if you kind of picture the first four of the NCAA uh, men's um, tournament and you kind of apply it to volleyball where it's 16 instead of the normal four, yeah. it's, it's, it's a little bit um, interesting. It's a little bit different take Hey, it, it may be better. It may be worse. I don't know. But yeah, even before they reach uh, Wisconsin, if they were to win, they still have to play a tough opponent in Weber State, who only lost one game in the Big Sky. Yeah, one in the conference championship, obviously, which is why they're there. Second uh, appearance in in the NCAA tournament for the Weber State Wildcats. It's going to be a fun matchup, and 
whoever whoever wins this game is going to be having a tall task with them um wisconsin badgers yeah no matter what uh, whoever wins like you said you're going to be playing i mean wisconsin coming in as the one seed in the entire tournament obviously one of the best teams in the country and one of the favorites to uh to win it all so like you said uh the, uh, the, the Falcons will have a, a tall task in front of them if they're able to make it past the Wildcats in the first round. Really going to be interesting to see, um, you know, how, how that plans, pans out. That game is going to take place uh, next Wednesday, uh, April 14th. So best of luck to the Falcons. Um, they're only, only their third appearance in NCAA tournament history with the previous two being 1991 and 2012. So best of luck to the Falcons representing uh, the MAC in the NCAA women's volleyball tournament. Best of luck to them. Uh, Matt, Sam, we had some really, uh, really good series this weekend in on the baseball diamond. Um, Central Michigan got a couple of nice wins. So did Miami. Miami really seems to be playing well right now. Uh, yeah, um, you, you mentioned it. It's currently conference season in uh, baseball. We are the non-conference. So, Every everything you see from here on out is going to be Matt conference play. Miami got a nice nail biter, five four against Eastern Michigan. Central Michigan got a nice high scoring victory, twelve ten against Northern Illinois. Toledo didn't disappoint anybody this time, won seven to six over Ohio. <laughs> uh, Western Michigan uh, shut out Akron three zero in their game, and then Kent State their last uh, the last uh, baseball game won ten five against Bowling Green. Yeah, you know what, and and I really, really impressed with uh, the way that Miami is playing right now. Uh, the Red Hawks now ten and two in the conference, seventeen and nine overall. They're currently sitting in first place. Uh, their four game series with uh, with um, with Eastern Michigan this weekend on the road. They went to Ypsilanti and swept all four games from the Eagles there. Eastern Michigan having a bit of a tough year, four and eight overall, or four and eight in the MAC, I should say. However, you know they were they were four and four going into that uh, into that series. So a great uh, a great showing from Miami this weekend. Also a really nice bounce back for for Central Michigan. You know I mentioned last week how you know they were the preseason favorite here in the conference, and yet they were sitting. You know, they were sitting at, uh, at at two and two in the conference. They were sixth place. Well, they must have heard me talking because uh, since then they have won six in a row. Um, I should well, actually, the, the first two of those happened before we recorded last week. So they were sitting at two and two uh, on a two game winning streak. They had won their last two games at Ohio last week. And then uh, they've swept Northern Illinois all four games into Calb this weekend. Um, winning, you know, 11, nothing, 17 to six. I mean, they were the, the Chippewas are really, really tearing the cover off the ball this weekend. And so I think, you know, Miami is a bit of a surprise to me right now. I think ball state is obviously still right there. Ball state and central Michigan currently tied for second, both at six and two, the, uh, the Cardinals, uh, let me pull them up here. The Cardinals were, um, what did they do? They played. So they had a couple of non-conference games this weekend where they went to, uh, to Butler, or I guess it was a split series, one game in Indianapolis, two games in, in Muncie uh, Cardinals swept all three of those though, seven, two, 10, one, and 16 to 10 on Sunday. My goodness. Talk about some, uh, some runs there. So ball state currently at 16 and two, 15 and nine. So yeah, I think the, the kind of the, the top three seem like they're kind of separating themselves to me here, Sam. Yeah, I agree. And what's interesting by looking at their stats, usually in baseball you get it done by hitting, but it's actually quite the opposite for both Ball State and Miami being the top two. You have Ball State six with a batting average of .261 and Miami uh, having an average of .257. While they're pitching is where it's at. Miami uh, leads the conference in ERA 3.09, uh, and then Ball State is the second with 4.07. So it's quite an interesting shakeup. You have Central Michigan, who's first in batting average with 0.285, and then balanced attack uh, third in the conference with 4.31. So it's kind of unusual. We're seeing the pitchers. I, I've seen uh, the Ball State pitchers really have their way with not only the MAC conference, but like you said, with uh, non-conference like Butler. Uh, it's it's unusual, but I mean, if, if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. No, I hear you, and. 
It's it's funny you mentioned that because as you, if you look back through um, the the Mac baseball players of the week since the season started, going back to the end of February, so they name a player of a week and a pitcher of the week, and in um, in seven of the week uh, out of the seven weeks of the season two so far. On four of those seven weeks, the pitcher of the week for the conference has been on Ball State's pitching staff. You got Tyler Ruschel, uh, John Baker uh, twice, and then Chase McDermott as well. So I agree with you. The, the, the Cardinals pitching staff really playing well right now. Um, as far as the, the players of the week in the conference this week, got to give a shout out to, to Ben Carew, the left fielder from, uh, from Kent State. He had a 6-11 average with four multi-hit games over the weekend. Uh, in the in the flashes sweep of Bowling Green, four RBI and four runs scored on Friday, and then he homered in uh, in Game Two of Saturday's doubleheader. A really nice weekend for Carew. Uh, Kent State, like I said, got the sweep over Bowling Green. A nice weekend for the Flashes, who were a little bit of slow out of the gates this year. Yeah, I, I agree. And and what I like watching college baseball is you you never know who's going to get picked because the MLB has such. How many, how many rounds are in the MLB? It's, it's, it's got to be close to 50. I mean, there's at least 40 rounds. It's it's pretty crazy. So any of these guys could be picked. Uh, rather than the NFL, you only have seven rounds. NBA have two rounds. You have so many rounds to get picked. So um, all most of these guys could be round 49 for all we know. It's it's quite a show for Big Crew out of Kansas State. A, quite a week for Brandon Peterson and Western Michigan to allow uh, – to um, have a shout out against Akron and and I, I think it's just amazing Zach is with the with the baseball draft how it is a lot of these Mac players uh, can get drafted yeah I agree with you I agree with you completely and and you know it's 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 good baseball in the Mac as well I think uh it's it's you know it's a well respond well-respected mid-major conference on the diamond so yeah some uh we'll, we'll, we'll obviously continue to uh to monitor baseball here as as the season Continues. I think, um, like I said, I feel like Miami, Central Michigan, Ball State uh, in the top three right now seem to be separating themselves a little bit. Uh, Kent State sitting at fourth and five and three, Central Michigan at seven and five, and then Bowling Green at six and six. So uh, we'll, we'll see how this uh, the season continues to play out. I think, though, we, you know, most Mac fans would agree with us that, you know, after baseball got completely canceled last year, almost it's, it's great to just see these teams back on the field and, and playing some games um, on the, on the softball diamond um, another, you had a good, a good weekend there. And, and Sam, it seems like, I, I feel like a broken record saying this, but uh, you know, you look at the top of the softball standings and once again, there you got Miami, you got ball state. Miami is really, really on a tear here right now they've won 12 in a row have the red hawks and uh they obviously included in that is uh another sweep this past weekend of the uh of well i guess it should butler and in, in eastern kentucky they played this weekend a sweep of central michigan before that a sweep of western michigan before that a sweep of uh of of louisville before that the red hawks are really playing good softball right now sam yeah, no doubt. And and what's what's cool about Miami's run is they are leading the conference in batting average 0.331. They are leading the MAC in home runs with 33 home runs. The next closest is uh, Kent State with 23, and wow. RBIs with 170. And the next closest closest is Ball State at 170. Not only that is their batting really good, but their pitching is really well. They're leading the conference in ERAs. Obviously, they have the most wins, not in the conference, but just in general with 18 wins. They have uh, seven shutouts. I mean, what what more could you ask for for a program? They've just been on a tear. Ball State's neck and neck, but I still think Miami's the team to beat. Yeah, you know, you're right, Sam. I mean, when you, yeah, you just you look at the statistics page here. I mean. First in batting, first in pitching, second in fielding percentage. I mean, there's the three major phases of your game right there, and and Miami just seems to be, uh, you know, head and shoulders above everyone else in in all of those areas. Now, Ball State, uh, you know, Miami's got this 12 game winning streak. Ball State, not too far behind. The Cardinals have won uh, eight in a row, uh, and that included a four game sweep of the Chippewas this weekend in Mount Pleasant. So a, a nice way for, for the Cardinals to go on the road 
and um, and 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 get a nice series victory. Central Michigan is struggling a little bit this year. They're two and ten in the conference. But uh, yeah, you know, Ball State and Miami, both both schools seem to have things really kind of you know the ball's rolling for both of them here in, in both football or I'm sorry in both softball and baseball. Ball State, you know, you mentioned. Miami best in the conference in terms of, you know, batting average and a lot of those hitting metrics ball States right behind them. You know, Miami's batting 331 as a team ball state right behind them at 322. Yeah. Uh, speaking of ball state, we want to get into the players of the week. Faith Henley is, was named the max softball player of the week outfielder junior from Monroe, Ohio. She's the player of the week in for the pitcher week kid state. Um, Right, is for uh, Jessica Labou from Kent State is the pitcher of the week. But like you said, Miami may be the top of the conference, but Ball State's not too far behind. Like I said, I think I think Miami's clearly the team to beat. But Ball State with their with their winning prowess, going on an eight run, they're they're basically the the second team to beat there. If, if you want to call uh, Miami one A, Ball State's right behind them at two A creeping on them just waiting for a chance to knock Miami off the the number one spot certainly certainly and I got to give a shout out you mentioned the, the softball the pitcher of the week Jessica LeBeau from uh from Kent State a really solid weekend there from the freshman um she appeared in three games in their uh their weekend series with Ohio 25 strikeouts in 16 innings and um she she threw um on Saturday they had a double header and she threw a complete game, 161 pitches, 13 strikeouts uh, are the most by a Mac, a pitcher in a Mac contest this season. You know, Sam, it's crazy to me. I think about, you know, I think about softball and baseball very similarly, obviously they're very similar games, but the one thing that is, I, I'm still having to wrap my mind around is that I'm used to you know, when I watch a baseball team throughout the course of the season, you got, you know, a staff of five starting pitchers. One of those guys is starting every five days. You look at these softball, you know, rosters, Jessica LeBeau, just, she just pitched three days in a row for, for Kent state. And I guess I think that makes sense from like a, a, a physical standpoint of like the motion, I guess, of throwing a softball as opposed to throwing a baseball is probably not as hard on your arm and your shoulder. But still, it's crazy to me that, you know, she, they had four games this weekend and she played in three of them and played really well. Hey, you mentioned that. I got tired playing two hours of football the other day. So imagine, <laughs> yeah. how, imagine how she feels. Um, but yeah, like you said, 161 pitches. You mentioned three days in a row. Not just you, you think of the you think of the average MLB pitcher, they maybe have to play once every five games. These yes. college athletes have to play three games in a row in most cases, if not two, if not one, that that's just crazy to me for not only her, for her consistency in one game, for her to be able to have consistency through three games is yeah. on another level too. to have durability like that is, is insane to me. No, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I agree with that. And I, I admire that durability. I, I could never do that. Uh, to your point, you know, I, I throw, you know, I throw, I play catch for two minutes with my son and I got to take a break. So um, yeah, it is, it is pretty crazy. Looking forward at the, uh, the softball schedule, there is a, um, uh, a two game series. I, I, I guess I should say a double header is what I should call it on uh, coming up on April 20th, Ball State travels to Oxford to take on the Red Hawks going to be really interesting to see how that matchup plays out. They have a doubleheader, uh, follow-up doubleheader that next week on uh, April 28th in Muncie. So four big games here coming up between those two teams over these next couple of weeks. Might see some separation there after those four games, Sam. Oh, and I, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to Ball State, not letting us go to the football and basketball games, but not letting us go to the baseball or softball games. Like, really? Yeah, like if you go to the, the baseball um, page under their schedule, it says no general attendance allowed at the games. So just I just want a response from the administration telling me how that makes sense. And in fact, as a recording, I'm, I'm about to get my um, vaccination a week from now. Nice. So when you put that into context, when we can get vaccinations, why why can't we go to these games? Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. That is interesting. I'm surprised, especially because they're outdoor sports. Um, Bingo. Yeah, that, that's odd. That's interesting to me. 
Yeah, yeah, that that's all I had to say. But I I just thought it was a little bit ironic. We went to an indoor sport in basketball, yeah. and not only that, we went to an outdoor sport. Um, only three games, but still, of uh, football. So, I I social distancing if we have to. I don't care. Just just let us go to the games. Cause yeah. what was it? Um, this is a little off topic, but um, NBA is planning for full stadiums next year. Yeah, as is the NFL. I think a lot of people are so. Yeah, that is that is an interesting decision. Um, that's too bad. Um, any other any other final thoughts on softball, Sam? Uh, no, let's get into some soccer. Yeah, so let's take a look here. We're, let's start with the men's soccer this week, Sam. No, not a ton of movement in the standings this week um, compared to last week. We, we've had, you know, we mentioned it last week, soccer more so than a lot of these other sports. We've had a lot of games canceled. Um, Bowling Green still in first place in the conference. They're sitting at five and four overall. They only played one game this past week, though, and it was earlier tonight uh, on Wednesday the seventh. They lost at Western Michigan two to one. Um, yeah, Western West Virginia. Um, they've had uh, two games postponed this week since our last uh, recording. Um, Akron has had four games postponed here over the last couple of weeks. They did play their their first game in about a month. Um, just this past, uh, what was it? I guess on Saturday, it would have been, they lost at Northern Illinois three to one Akron right now, Sam three, two, and one from a team that's con- kind of considered a powerhouse in the conference, uh, right. you know, sitting right now in, in uh, fifth place, not what you expect from the zips. But at the same time, I will give Akron some credit that they are only one game out of first place for Bowling Green. That That's the advantage sure. you have when you play so limited of a schedule with postponements and whatnot. And what I find interesting, Zach, if they don't, if let's say, for instance, the first team in Bowling Green doesn't play any more games, the, the only two games left are Akron and Northern Illinois. So... If you, if you need a chance to get back to up to first place, Akron has to do so. And um, it, it says on their schedule that NCAA Men's College Cup is May 13th and 16th. And I'm not sure. I don't, uh, Zach, you could correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think um, uh, that indicates that they haven't released like the, the conference tourney schedule. I, yes, I, I believe you're correct about that, Sam. And uh, yeah, you're right. Um, you know, there's only, you know, Akron as it stands right now, though, as you said, they're only a game back. But as it stands, though, you know, only only three games left. They're playing West Virginia tonight as we record, uh, playing at Bowling Green uh, next week, and then uh, at Western Michigan as well. Now, now f- they've had five games. Uh, they've had four games postponed and one game canceled. So they were supposed to play St. Francis. It doesn't look like that one's going to get made up. The fact that these other ones were all, um, well, they were supposed to play Pitt. That one is listed as postponed, and then Western Michigan – SIU Edwardsville and at West Virginia. We'll see if they're able to make those games up. Um, but you're right, Sam, the, you know, the fact that they're, you know, three, two, and one um, is, is a little bit surprising to me and two and two in the commerce, but you're right. They're only a game back. I, I don't think it's uh, anything to panic about too much, but you know, it, it is odd to me. It seems like this, you know, it seems like soccer more so than, you know, softball, baseball, volleyball, seems like the, the postponements have been much more prevalent here on, on the soccer pitch. Yeah, I agree there. I, th- I think, um, like you said, more so than the other sports, it seems that COVID has hit their sports more than others. I don't know the reason for that. I'm not a scientist. So I'm going to say this is why whatever the <laughs> case is. But it just has. It sucks. At least they have a season. Like, looking on the bright side, football only had six total games and soccer let's say let's just take bowling green for instance they they have two more they'll play 11 games it's not a full season by any means but it's something it's something to show um like for instance uh akron has plenty of players go to the mls mls super draft uh show teams um where the deal is uh professional clubs so it's it's not what you want um in the season but with the circumstances that you had to go through, I'm sure the players will take this over um, not sitting because we saw in college football, especially the players speaking up, that they they truly wanted a season and they got it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that completely. I agree with that completely. If you move over, you know, we move over to the women's soccer side and it's kind of the same story. You know, we, we talked last week about how, um, you know, Bowling Green has put their program on pause. Um, they've had, you know, they've got four games postponed. 
their last four games, I should say, which includes their upcoming game. Uh, was scheduled for for Saturday versus Kent State. That game will be postponed. Um, you know, Buffalo has had two games postponed this week. Uh, Eastern Michigan had a game postponed this week. Ball State had a game postponed this week. Um, there's a, a lot of postponements going around here in soccer. If you look at the standings in soccer, uh, Eastern Division and Bowling Green sitting on top five and one in the conference and overall. Buffalo in second at four one and one. Eastern Michigan leads the Western Division with a six and two record. Ball State in second place at four two and one. It is unfortunate for for uh, these soccer athletes in the MAC with how um, affected their their season has been. Now in the women's side of things, um, it does the 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 conference tournament is uh, approaching a little bit quicker here as at the end of April. So we'll see if they have enough time to get some of these games postponed. Um, but yeah, not, not a ton of games played this week in either men's or women's soccer. So unfortunately not a lot to, uh, to report on there. We'll keep our eyes on it though, as, uh, as we move through the season, we'll hopefully these figure, these teams can figure out their, um, their COVID issues. Sam, did you have anything you wanted to add on, uh, on women's soccer? Um, no, but what's interesting if you never pay attention to women's soccer and men's soccer is, is, uh, women's soccer has the full 12 founding not founding members i should say that kind of um permanent members yeah, i get the full the full membership of the mac full, yes is, and, is and then men's has what is it four there's, um, there's there's four yeah there's there's the uh uh who is it it's bowling green akron, akron. um northern illinois and who am i forgetting here wait let me pull it up uh western and michigan Western Michigan, and then you have the three affiliate members with Western Virginia, SIU, Edwardsville, or is it only? Are they the it's only? It's only two. Okay, so you know, you only got six teams in men's soccer in the MAC, which yeah, that is interesting. Um, and I actually, to be honest with you, Sam, having never followed college soccer all that closely before, it wasn't something that I realized until until we started doing this podcast. So yeah, that does make the dynamic in in, in men's soccer a little bit different, where you're not playing as many different teams, a lot more non-conference games, stuff like that. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Bowling Green's still on pause. Is you mentioned the uh, the women's soccer uh, MAC tournament? It's uh, April sixteenth through the seventeenth. They have their game on the eleventh canceled. Maybe that's just a precaution to get themselves ready for the MAC tournament. But we may have a situation similar to Ohio, where going into the sixteenth, we don't know if they can play, and if they can't play. Uh, you're, you're out of luck. I would say for, for any sort of NCAA cup or I, I haven't followed women's soccer or men's soccer, um, that closely. I, I'm not sure what they do, but the point remains is, uh, hopefully, hopefully Bowling Green can get their, uh, kind of ship in order so we can, so we can have a, um, a proper Mac tournament. I agree with you. I agree with you. So that's another, uh, situation that we will continue to monitor here for the podcast. Um, Sam, any, any final thoughts on any of these spring sports before we move into our, um, our, our look aheads for football and basketball next year? No, I, I, I think I'm uh, good on the spring sports. Okay, perfect. So let's move into this last segment here quickly. Sam and I were talking before the show, we wanted to talk something here, say, you know, do something, you know, looking ahead to, to the fall and, and, you know, next winter as, you know, football season is approaching again. Obviously, you know, you've seen over the last couple of days, a ton of like way too early top 25 polls on, on the basketball side. So we wanted to take some time here and, and kind of give our, our, I guess, if you want to call them bold predictions for both seasons next year, Sam, let's start with football. Um, what is it? What, what have you been thinking about? What's something that kind of your, your prediction, something you expect to see here in, in the coming football season? I'm ex- I'm, I'm excited or, or not excited. I'm just kind of, going to be focusing on does the does the seniority matter in a sense ball state has 14 returning starters is that going to make a difference or is it just or is it just going to be a season where we're back to normal and and freshmen can come in and dominate we have the like we talked about rocky lombardi a newcomer to the conference coming in niu even though their freshman has elevated to a sophomore how good are they going to be? I think I'm just excited to see all kind of the teams like rosters unfold in a sense, because we've seen a lot of players in the transfer portal. We've seen a lot of players transfer out. We've seen a lot of players um, put their names into the NFL draft and we've got pro days coming up. So 
I'm more kind of just curious on how the, all these different rosters are going to unfold. I think that's a great point, Sam. I think this offseason, both in football and basketball, the, the, the amount of player movement has been unprecedented. The amount of transfers, amount of players leaving schools, going to other schools, whatever the case may be. And like you, you mentioned, you know, in a normal year under normal circumstances, seniority does really matter. And I still think it will matter this year. I think Ball State and, and, and Kent State and some of the more veteran teams are, are, are going to be very, very well off and, and, and in a good position to, to compete and, you know, get to the top of the conference this year. My interest this season, I really am looking forward to seeing the development of some of the teams that were very young last year. I think, I don't know if you want to call this a, a bold prediction or whatever, but I, I really do believe, I think either Akron or Northern Illinois is going to make a bowl game this year. One of those two teams is really going to make a step forward. Both of those teams were incredibly young last year, a ton of new pieces. And both of those teams, you really saw them grow throughout the year. I think Northern Illinois, was a much better team in week six than they were in week one. Same with Akron. They got their first win in a long time. They found their running back last year, kind of their bell cow and Teon Dollard, who really carried them. Zach Gibson, you saw some flashes from him as a young freshman quarterback. I think with the continuity on the coaching staff at both of those teams and, and with another year of development with their young players, I, I think one of those teams is going to make a really big leap next year. I like your prediction. I'm more so a fan of Akron. I think I think Tom Arth last year was dealing with the pressure of getting his first win. Every college coach yeah. needs their first win under their belt before they can kind of um, kind of calm themselves down, if you will, get back to regular business. Because you're always going to be if he if he went zero and six last year do you think he would really be feeling good about himself moving into to year three they did get a win against um well it was bowling green correct yeah they beat bowling green right yeah yeah it, it's still a win nonetheless they couldn't get it uh during the 0-12 season it's a step in the right direction i i watched last season i think these players are buying into what tom arthur is selling i'm not so confident as you are in the bowl aspect i i i don't think that they can make that leap yet but I, I think I think four, five, three, four, five wins isn't out of the realm of the possibility. Now, will the inexperience once again? I'm leaning more towards the three or four wins. But to your credit, if they have one heck of a season like Western Michigan did, where they just shocked everybody, I I think the team to do it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I think the teams to possibly shock are either Akron or I'm going to say Kent State. I've, I feel like Kent State's really feeling themselves last year. Their offense was incredible, number one in the FBS, despite their yeah. shortened schedule. And no matter Isaiah McCoy leaving or not, you give Dustin Crum decent receivers and he's going to do work in. And I, I think Kent State is going to shock a lot of people like Buffalo. I wouldn't say Buffalo really shocked anybody last year, but I, I think Kent State's a team to watch out for. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. And um, I, I, I honestly, I feel like Kent State and Ball State next year, to me, are the top two teams going in, going into this season. I, I could honestly see a situation where both of them are, you know, either receiving votes in the top 25 poll or, or you know, maybe get ranked at some point. I think both teams are going to be that good next year with the amount of talent they have coming back. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I know we're obviously going to have a lot more time, a couple months here to talk about uh, football. What about what about in on the on the hardwood, Sam? Let's talk about hoops here real quick. Obviously, we're just a couple of days removed from the national championship game, just a couple of weeks removed from the MAC tournament. What are some things that you're looking for? What do you what do you see moving forward into the 2021 season? I think I think this year, this upcoming offseason, these programs similar to football are going to look a lot of different. I think we've had a. I, I could be wrong on this, but it just seems like we have more. We had more seniors, or more. I should say impactful seniors than we have had in previous years. What well, Jason Preston was a senior, correct? Uh, he was a junior. So he's got. Oh, he was a junior. Sorry about that. Uh, Marion Jackson, for one, was a senior. Yeah. You have Justin yeah. Turner, Danny Pippen, Ish. Um, I mean, am I missing? I feel like I'm missing somebody. If I may. um. You had uh, Jonathan Williams from Buffalo. Jonathan uh, Williams. Yeah. 
So I, I'm kind of curious. I, I think we're going to see a, a kind of a, a, a kind of new rush of uh, new faces and see how they work. I think freshmen are going to have to kind of raise their level kind of you're, you're going to be depending on freshmen to play big minutes unlike we've seen last year you're going to have to put with with the game on the line down to Toledo versus Kent State you're going to have Kent State's going to have to put the ball in the hands of a freshman most likely it's yeah. going to be insane it's going to be fun to watch a bunch of new new faces I'm going to be I'm going to be watching that um next season yeah, I agree with you, and I, I agree with your 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 general point too. Similar to football, I think a lot of college basketball teams next year are going to look completely different. I think there there's a record number of player transfer of trans of excuse me of tr- players in the transfer portal right now. It's like up over a thousand players. Everyone is taking advantage of this free year of eligibility and and looking at their options. So I think. A lot of um, a lot of college basketball coaches are going to have to remake their rosters on the fly this year, and so because of that, I think that the the teams that are going through coaching changes right now are really really going to be in a tough spot uh, come next season. So like I'm looking at Eastern Michigan and Central Michigan. Eastern Michigan, now it's been what probably three weeks now since they they let Ron Turner go. They haven't hired they haven't hired a coach yet. Keno Davis obviously just got let go the other day by Central Michigan, so they don't have a coach yet. Both of those schools are going to have to rebuild from from the ground up, and you're going to have a new coach coming in with a, a roster of guys that they're not familiar with. They're going to have a lot of spots that they're going to have to fill that's going to be a really, really tough job for whoever gets hired in both of those, uh, in both of those positions. So I hate to say this, but like, I, I feel like next year in the Mac, I I'm almost going to be looking at Eastern Michigan and central Michigan as like these, these are going to be two free wins for, for the other teams in the <laughs> conference. I, I don't see, I really don't see how either of those teams is going to be able to be very competitive next year. Yeah, yeah, that's a very true point. What East or Central Michigan and Eastern Michigan could be two free easy wins, but honestly, I think I think what teams need to do is I've I, I've said it and I'll say it again is have a coaching hire kind of in place within your program. North Carolina did a tremendous job of having Roy Williams for a long time, and now they have their assistant who's been there for ten plus years be able to step up because. Yes, it's not a entirely new face, and maybe you want to go in that direction. But at the same time, he could bring a new philosophy. He could be a transition piece for the new for the new program you want to see because he's going to bring a new perspective. He's going to change the things he wants to see, and I I think that's what college basketball teams need to start adopting as a coaching and hire because, like we've seen. First years, first years um, letting go of your coach are 99% of the time rough. And yeah. if you can have a guy who can kind of ease your transition, not, not, um, he, he's going to be a guy who's probably been talking to your commits. So they're not going to want to leave. He's yeah. a guy that's going to be within the program, provide a sense of stability. And even if he's not the guy at the end of the day, at least you had a few transition years because you don't have to sign them to a five-year contract. You can yeah. keep them at your contract and do what, do what you need to do. Maybe you go after a big name after that, but the point remains is coaching and higher um, coaching and uh, play coach and waiting is what I'm trying to say is a key for these basketball programs. And I'm just waiting for them to, to figure that out. Yeah, I agree with that. I especially agree with your point, Sam, about, the, the, the recruiting aspect of it. I think whenever you fire a coach, especially in basketball, the, the recruiting trail is where you take the biggest hit, mm-hmm. right? Because if that head coach had relationships with all of those, those incoming commits, he had relationships with high school coaches in the area. He had relationships with junior college coaches. So if you have another, you know, assistant on your staff who you can retain, who is able to maintain, you know, maintain some of those relationships through that transition, that can really ease things and, and make it make it a little bit of a of a less rocky transition. So I think that's a, a very good point you make there. And um, so yeah, we'll see. 
obviously I, I would expect both, you know, central Michigan and Eastern Michigan to make a hire here within, it's gotta be within the next couple of weeks. I would think we'll see who, who either of those programs hire and, and how they decide to, uh, to, to move forward. Um, Sam, anything else you wanted to touch on here tonight? I know we made it through the, the news, all the spring sports breakdowns, a little look ahead to football and basketball, anything else you wanted to touch on here before we let everyone go? Uh, no, not really. I I'm excited for, um, just spring football, to be honest, uh, Ball State just got their new indoor practice facility. Um, I saw done. that. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be having their pro day. So I'm probably going to be tuning into that to see what that looks like. Cause seeing inside of it is a lot different than driving by it on a road. It just, it just is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm just excited for that. I'm excited to see the NFL draft, see all the Mac athletes get drafted, whether it's from Buffalo ball state, Whatever the case is, I'm just excited for football season. Spring sports has been a lot of fun. I've been I've been catching uh, baseball here and there. That's been a lot of fun. And yeah, uh, this season, as bad as we made it, I I think it's made I think it's made us appreciate sports even, uh, even more. And I'm loving every second of whether it's betting, watching, whatever the case, going to. It, it's been a fun time. Agree with all of that, Sam. Very very well said. Uh, well, that's uh, that's going to wrap it up for for this episode here this week, guys. I don't remember if I said this at the, at the beginning, but episode 40 of the podcast, we are almost to half 100, which is crazy. So thank you guys for continuing to stop by every week and, and listening and, and supporting the pod. We appreciate that. Uh, so that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Looking forward to talking to you guys again next Friday. He is Sam Thillman. I am Zach Follador. This has been another episode of the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast. Thanks for stopping by, everybody.